Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Best Pictures Podcast. I'm Ian, and this is Maggie. And on this episode, we're doing the 20th episode, 20th Best Picture, well, Gentlemen's Agreement. Not really our 20th episode. Well, it's the 20th. I best was going to make a joke about how our podcast can almost drink, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's been able to. So this is a 1947 drama based on Laura Z. Hobson's best-selling novel of the same name. It's about a journalist who poses as uh, being Jewish to research an expose on widespread anti-Semitism in New York and like some more affluent communities in the Northeast um, and stars Gregory Peck and Dorothy McGuire and is directed by Elia Kazan, who a lot of people might know as like the director of On the Waterfront. I think that's that's the one I always think of when I think of him. That is a movie that I saw in one of my supply chain classes to show what break bulk freight looked like. Interesting. Yeah. So <laughs> that was a that is the only context in which I know on the waterfront. <laughs> well, I think I think we get to watch it, so uh, you'll have a little bit more context for it. Uh, so, kind of, you know, with this movie, um, it was actually controversial in its time. Um, I'm really not surprised by that. Well. <laughs> There was, of course, like this, we are in like post-World War II, but there was a lot of anti-Semitism mm-hmm. still in the U.S. I think that's something that maybe we don't always realize when we study history is that like it was also widespread here as well. Yeah. Um, and there was particularly some worry with the uh, producers and the studio heads around whether or not it would pass the censorship code because – it was so like political and Joseph Breen who enforced the Hayes code was a known anti-Semite. Oh, interesting. He was pretty much just awful on like every level. So, but he still let yeah. it through. Yeah, it still got through. Um, I, I don't know exactly like the power mechanics around how that ended up through, but cause mm-hmm. I mean like, I guess other than if you were like, Oh, it's, quote too political like there's nothing else that i think would be objectable from the code with the exception of there was some worry that uh dorothy mcguire's character being a divorcee would be an issue that disappoints me but i understand that i mean they kept it it was a different time they did keep it um and it you know did end up in the final cut so at least there's that (laughs) well and i'm trying to think if they could have gotten rid of that and the story still been as impactful and i'm thinking probably yeah, I don't know. Well, mm, I guess there are a couple little speeches that she gives. And there's one in particular I want to talk about with, like, the house that she talks about, mm-hmm. where I guess it is kind of central to their relationship. I mean, the house needed to be there. Yeah. But so it I, could have just been there because she was filthy rich. That is true. I don't – yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm not sure know. if it necessarily needed to be there, but it does add, like, kind of a nice extra layer to her character. Yeah. So. Um, and then the political nature of the film also upset the House Un-American Activities Committee, so McCarthy era. Oh, McCarthy. Yep. You so son of a bitch. Kazan, yeah, yes. <laughs> Kazan, Daryl Zanuck, who is, I believe, one of the producers, John Garfield, who played Dave, and Anne Revere, who played the mom, were mm-hmm. all called to testify in front of the committee. Anne Whoa. Revere refused. And Garfield testified, but like refused to name names, and they were both blacklisted. I'm really glad that you're telling me all of this. Yes, because I know you had some issues with the film and the premise, and which I understand and I think can still feel a little icky because it's like, why why do you need this guy to pose as being Jewish in order to show the people and write an expose about anti-Semitism? Why can't you just listen to people who actually are Jewish? And there was a really, uh, I think it was Late Night with Seth Meyers just did a skit 
about the white savior and it goes through all of the different films that cover African-American history in the recent times and how they always have this like heavy focus on the one white guy that right. stands up for the marginalized characters. Exactly. And that that part, especially when he got into lecturing his secretary, I was like, yeah, no, no, the, the you don't get to be indignant about this. Yeah, I was like, eh, that one was a little icky. But I mean, he also wasn't wrong. You know, it was like one of those yeah. things where I was like, you're not wrong, but I also don't think you're coming at this from like the best angle and like the appropriate way but you know and we'll talk more about that discussion but you know i think at the same time kind of the process he goes through and the characters around him particularly kathy who i want to talk a lot about and kind of his realization that he like knew it was an issue but didn't actually understand the issue until it was starting to become personal to him, I think is reflective of how a lot of people see things like Mm -hmm. racism, sexism, bigotry, homophobia. You know, it's like the idea that you have, you know, the quote, the good people who like they're against it, but they also don't have to deal with it on a daily basis. Right. So they're maybe not always stepping up when they should be. Right. And I think they did deal with those themes, which is why the last half hour for me. Yes, I agree. Like, that last half hour recovered for that. Well, not covered, but like made me like this film a whole yes, bunch more. I than agree. I, did. I agree. I would say the start was rocky, but it definitely got better. Yeah. Um. So, last couple bits of like trivia background. It was actually a hit at the box office, very unexpectedly. I mean, it's a controversial film. I, I'm not surprised yeah, people, people were like, ooh, gotta go see it. See it. Oh, also, just like as a heads up to any listeners, if you want to know more about The Blacklist, it's like super fascinating. And there's another film that was nominated this year, Crossfire, that also was like hugely controversial for similar reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you Must Remember This did like a whole series of episodes on The Blacklist, and they're like really, really good. So highly recommend you listen to those if you're interested in that. Um, other awards and nominees for Gentleman's Agreement. Maggie. Now I'm singing that goddamn song from Casablanca in my head because you said you must remember this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's a good song. I'm sorry. I'll let you finish now. Thank you. (laughs) Awards and nominations for Gentleman's Agreement. Um, So obviously Best Picture. Celeste Holm won Best Supporting Actress. She played Anne, who I freaking loved. Yeah. Loved her. Um, Elia Kazan won for Best Director. Gregory Peck was nominated for Best Actor. Dorothy McGuire was nominated for Best Actress. Anne Revere was also nominated for Best Supporting Actress. It was nominated for Best Film Editing and Best Adapted Screenplay. Other nominees from that year, The Bishop's Wife, Crossfire, which is the other one that I um, mentioned that also deals, I believe it deals, the film deals with anti-Semitism, but I think the play originally dealt with homophobia. So I think they like switched it a little bit. Oh, interesting. Um, Great expectations. Also problematic. Yes. <laughs> yes. But this is also 47. I mean, yeah. So remember. Um, great Expectations and Miracle on 34th Street, which I greatly love that film. Maybe we'll do a Thanksgiving special and we'll watch that one this year. I think we should. Oh, it's so good. I'm, I'm on board with it. Okay, cool. So ready for watch notes. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So opening in this movie. Uh, Week. Oh my God, it was so weak. Was and weak. there was so much exposition. There was. There was a lot of fat that could have been trimmed, especially any scenes with the kid for the most part, except for the very the ones towards the very end. But one yeah, where that he kid's dialogue gets... was so unbelievable. Oh my gosh, talking about are you gonna get married, Dad? Like it was so unbelievable. And 
too, like, I feel like you know the dialogue is rough and, like, stilted when, like, Gregory Peck's not delivering it well. Right. Well, my thing, too, is... Which I love Gregory Peck. <laughs> love him. They, um, I, the way I viewed probably the first almost 20 minutes of this movie was like, okay, we have to set up our carefully placed house of cards and cast of characters. But we didn't have but to set it up that much. We didn't. Like, that really, was the thing. you could have okay. just been like, I honestly... First scene could have been him going to see Mr. Minifree, who exactly. once we got Mr. Minifree on, the dialogue started picking up. Mm-hmm. Like he was doing work. Well, and then it could have been like, okay, Mr. Minifree, we then see you at the house party that mm-hmm. he has invited you to. We meet we Kathy. Kathy, which, yikes, my first note is Kathy's sharp. I like her. That changes. <laughs> that yeah. changes a lot. She was nice and like snappy in the very first yeah. scene that we see I her. I actually was like, oh, really like some though, shit back how... at Gregory Peck. Love it. Yes, but I actually like what they ended up doing with her character. Oh, um, completely agree. It was very effective. Yes. Yes. It was, it, it, I don't know. It just, it fit and it really in those final scenes, like drove home the themes of the movie so mm-hmm. well. Yeah. But needless to say, we really didn't need such a prolonged and choppy introduction to his kid and his mother. Yeah. Like that was, yeah. they were basically well, throwaway it just, scenes. It didn't feel authentic. Agreed completely so anyway we'll we'll forgive that and just pretend like the movie was only 90 minutes long <laughs> um so mr minifree is well one they chose to cut away when he was actually telling him what the story was going to be about which i took major issue with after they wasted almost half an hour on throwaway scenes so i was really pissed when they didn't <laughs> actually give me that scene you're like but tell us the story no i think my line in my notes was like who is this dude and now you fucking cut away (laughs) like come on (laughs) so anyway at the dinner party really loved the chemistry between kathy and phil in this scene i have to say though over the course of their the movie i thought at least early on that their relationship progressed like really fast in a way that i did not find like super believable i'm trying to figure out if those uh fade to black cuts that they were doing were supposed the to like the entire thing spans eight weeks mm. or maybe like let's well, say, let's give to... it let's give it two weeks of him trying to decide his angle for the story so it's probably about a 10 week like thing I'm and in that back. in that amount of time because how did he get moved into an apartment engaged. in two weeks no but between when he meets her through when the story comes out I'm giving it an extra two weeks of him to decide his angle on the story because the whole thing with the story is that he spent eight weeks. I thought it was six months. No, I think he says it's going to be, but I think they say eight weeks. Okay. Yeah, okay. If it, Let me put it this way. If it's eight weeks, totally agree with you. Yeah. If it's eight months, eh, borderline. If it's but... eight months, that is still so freaking fast. <laughs> they end up engaged, Ian. Hey, some people <sighs> end up engaged much, much, much more quickly. <laughs> Apparently. Um. But speaking of the generous two weeks I'm giving him to figure out his angle (laughs) on this story, they spent so much time with him being not sure how to handle this story. And we didn't need it. Like, honestly, all we needed was that initial he wants to write his friend Dave, who is Jewish, and Mm -hmm. ask Dave about it. And then he's kind of like, how do you even ask somebody that? Which I kind of want to be like, if you've grown up with this guy, like I feel like you could approach that subject and be like, Dave, I want to write about this from an authentic viewpoint. Like, give me your words and your perspective. But then he mm-hmm. kind of has the realization because he has that speech with his mom 
which I actually kind of liked that speech where he's just like saying, you know, I don't know how to handle this. Like when I was writing about the miners, I went and was a miner. Like, yeah, like yeah. I could go and do it. Like I'm not used to like having to just research and ask and stuff. And so then he's like, I know what I'll do. I'll like just tell people I'm Jewish because his whole point is and like even though the premise is still a little, eh, you know, with him yeah. pretending to be Jewish when he's not, it's, you know, he's right in saying that he's like, in order for me to do this, all I have to do is say I'm Jewish because, like, there is nothing that sets someone who is Jewish apart from someone who isn't other than just the fact that they are Jewish. You know, like, he's like, all it is is just. Yeah. Well, and he makes that point that, repeatedly. You know? Yeah. Like, there like, is no difference. Had I not said, how would you have known? Like, once it exactly. actually comes out that he is not Jewish. Yeah. Um, and I think there's one where he's talking, he, uh, his secretary finds out that he actually isn't. And she's like, wait a minute. And he's like, but I'm no different than I was yesterday. Like, I'm the exact same person. All that oh, has changed is this one bit of knowledge that you have. I will say, I think that scene was a little bit overdone. Like, oh, feel these hands. They're the same hands that were there I was, before. I was, I was like, like, are okay, we uh, merchant of venicing this right now? Which we definitely were. Oh, my gosh. Well, I just kind of wanted to be like, just give a Shylock, man. Seriously. And I, I double featured this with the next Best Picture winner, Hamlet. Yeah. And that scene definitely gave me Hamlet vibes. Like, looking back on it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, do well, not need this. Because it's Shakespeare, but it's Merchant of Venice. <laughs> I know. Just saying. Okay. I, I so know. making sure I'm referencing the right, the right bard movie. <laughs> not, or not necessarily movie, but material. <laughs> We've also learned at the party that the premise of, or, like, the writing an expose on anti-Semitism was Kathy's idea. Which he's so surprised by. He's like, it was your idea? And I loved oh. his mom's reaction where she's like, why? Women will be thinking next, Phil. Like... I, his his mother was a fantastic character in my mind. Like in in the scene where, um, so I we're kind of going through this like loosely chronologically, yeah. but there is a scene where Phil has to explain anti-Semitism to his kid, which okay, which kind I, of makes him decide to do the story because initially yeah. he's like, I don't know what I could add to this that hasn't been said. Which let me which tell kind you, of like I appreciate that he said that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, like. The overall premise of this can be a little shaky, mm -hmm. but given the core premise, it is handled a lot better than I expected. Yes, agreed. Well, and the way he explains it goes through the like description of like, oh, some people are Catholic, some people are this, some people are that, and they go in special churches and this, which, okay, the content that he was expressing, I was like, okay, I appreciate that he is going through and taking pains to explain this in a way that makes a lot of sense to his kid. Mm -hmm. I was also surprised that this kid didn't know it already. Yeah. Because he was really old to have to be told what a synagogue was. Well, I wonder, because they do establish, too, that they have moved from California, and I don't know what part of California, so, like, I guess potentially not a large Jewish population where they moved from. I mean... That's fine, but maybe it's just my presentism coming through, being aware of something. Well, it's 1947, so you don't have TV. But you have radio. You do have radio, but I don't know how much radio content would have featured, like, a synagogue. Yeah. But I, or it didn't I don't well. know what the kid's context would have been, you know? Yeah. So it was kind of weird and preachy to me. <laughs> didn't mean to make that pun. <laughs> um, but, yeah, at least it very firmly rooted phil's opinions on the matter which i, I think was something that we kind of needed for some groundwork yeah well and forward. his idea is that like i would like to someday not have to explain or i would like like maybe my kid to not have to explain to his kids what anti-semitism is yeah that actually i think was 
a specific quote that I wrote down. And actually, yeah. it's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that was nice. So next we have where he's kind of like setting up his, I guess I'm going to call it like his ruse sort of, but like his new persona. persona. I don't know. It's weird. I don't know what to call it. <laughs> it's laying the groundwork, I his guess. For expose. His expose. His expose. Um, where he's been assigned a secretary who he finds out is Jewish and she has changed her name because he's sending letters to various jobs and stuff. And I have to say, as Someone who was in marketing, I appreciate his A-B <laughs> testing here because he's having her send the exact same letter, one with his actual last name, Green, mm-hmm. and then one with a more stereotypical Jewish name, Greenberg. But basically, he's gathering ev- evidence to be able to say, you know, when the place thought I was Jewish or could, quote, tell I was Jewish, then they turned me down versus when I was more a gentile you know like mm-hmm. he's he's kind of gathering stuff for that and his secretary talks about changing her name and how basically the same thing happened to her with the like newspaper that they are working with because yeah. the editor has very much the editor and like even kathy too have very much touted themselves as like liberal and progressive and like it doesn't matter what anyone like believes here like everyone's welcome mm-hmm. but like clearly Clearly, the head of the newspaper does not have insight into his HR. Yeah, because they're pre-filtering all the resumes. Yep. Or CVs or whatever they were at that time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that scene... I, I He we... does take action, though. I will give it to mm-hmm. the editor because, you know, there are speeches later where both Dave and um, Phil, Gregory Peck's character, are talking to Kathy and they're like, okay, so you hated that the person was making this racist joke, but what did you do about it? And the response is that she's like, oh, well, I hated it. And it's like, that's great, but what did you do? Yeah. And at least here we are seeing that the editor, while like he obviously does not have visibility into his payroll or his HR <laughs> and like has... He's all in content, not in business. Yeah, and has not done an effective job of setting up the proper culture to handle stuff like that within the company. At least when he finds out about something, he does something. Mm-hmm. So, like, there is – at least there's that with him. So that lets us him be a little bit more of a likable character, I think. Yeah, completely agree. I do want to talk about that scene with the with uh, Phil's secretary a little bit more, too, because mm-hmm. this is one where, again, she says several slurs about Jewish people and she's like, oh, I even refer to myself like that sometimes and all of uh, – like, focuses on how she doesn't want, quote, unquote, the bad Jews to come in and ruin it for the good Jews that are there already. Yeah. Which I think that she is entitled to her opinion, but I also do not think it is Phil's place to lecture her on this. That is that is the thing, is that it's like her – her opinion's not great. No. Like, it's basically she's also being anti-Semitic to, like, a specific stereotype mm-hmm. or subset of her own community. But, like, as not being Jewish, it is also not Phil's place to lecture her. You know, like, it's... Exactly. Well, and it's... I don't know. This is... It's just one more problematic thing yeah about this one the this situation. episode's also i think kind of it's hard for us to dissect a little bit because neither of us are jewish yeah so we don't really we also don't have visibility into yeah. anything around that i think we both have experiences being in marginalized groups but it i don't want to but not say particularly that is, this one exactly so, exactly yeah. so like intersectionality is a thing so <laughs> and each person's experience is different but yeah. um yeah, so 
I don't know. I just I but didn't. I particularly think that like conversation that. with her sets up this idea um, that we see later too, particularly with Kathy and the. I'm gonna use this phrase, and then I'll explain why I'm using it and what I'm mm-hmm. tying it into. So it's the idea of like quote benevolent racism yeah and i'm kind of thinking of that in terms of like quote benevolent sexism i mean which i've definitely experienced before but it's like you know the idea that someone has these prejudices that they don't realize they're acting on and it's not necessarily purposeful like they're not like i hate this group of people would the term microaggression apply here i think so yeah i think so where it's just like the idea that they're like oh i based on like all of these stereotypes and stuff like i think this about this person it's Mm -hmm. like if like a woman goes to pick up something heavy and like doesn't ask for help clearly has no issue picking it up but a guy's like oh no 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 no, no. let me get that for you like that's too heavy for you you know like Mm -hmm. something like that where it's like you're technically doing a nice thing because you're picking something up for someone and trying to help them out but you're doing it from a point of i'm assuming that you are much much weaker than me right based on like these stereotypes and like generalizations yeah. so i think that is kind of what that conversation sets up and it comes back much later and much stronger with kathy mm-hmm. oh it definitely does but as we're moving forward past the scene to once um Phil is becomes more out as well. He's told more people. He's and told more word, people that word he's spreading Jewish. very fast. Yeah, apparently, I love which the I way, think is weird. I, it's I very so weird. weird. But I mean, again, if you had the whole kind of underground spy network of sorts that would blacklist actors in That's Hollywood, true. That's like true. gossip gets around. Yeah, like gossip gets around. <laughs> it was it just I don't. I think it's so weird yeah, well, that, that people was, are like, guess what I learned today? I mean, it is weird. But the way the assistant put it is perfect. It's like, oh, after you came out of that meeting, it kind of got around. I think yeah. it's very – oh, that was yeah. perfect. But I do – I did like how they very slowly added on um, these innocu – well, uh, I don't want to say innocuous because it's not innocuous. But these like casual anti-Semitic comments – well, she starts noticing, this. and it's things that I'm like, oh. Well, like the doctor. Yes. Okay, so the um, his mom is sick. Phil's mom is very sick. Mm-hmm. She, I was A heart attack, maybe? I, that's what I thought. And there was, was this, like, true angina versus stroke. false angina. Yeah, I was like, I don't that's know. a thing? Didn't think that was a I was thing, like, but I okay. I think we should just get her to the hospital, but that's just me. <laughs> um, but they call a doctor, and then there's a Dr. Abrams that I think Kathy recommended. She recommends a doctor. Yeah, Yeah, and it's Dr. Abrams, so a stereotypical Jewish last name. And the doctor who they had, like, I guess called as, like, an emergency doctor or whatever to see the mom is like, oh, yeah, I'd recommend this guy. But, yeah, Dr. Abrams is pretty good and, like, makes a comment about, like, he doesn't overcharge patients and feels like, "Are, are you saying that because, like, he's Jewish or because, like, that is a common practice among doctors in New York. And it becomes very blatant that the doctor said that because Abrams is Jewish. Yeah, that was, yeah. Yeah. But no, you have a a bunch of scenes like this. Mm -hmm. And even with Kathy, which is the part where I love how they've kind of switched this on the character. So, um, yeah, this is our first clue. And this was the first time where I was like, had in my notes, does Kathy actually suck? Answer is yes. I mean, yeah. Yes, the answer is yes. In the end, she has. At first, I liked her. And then I was like, 
wait a minute. I have issues with the end. We'll talk about that. I mean, yeah. But but I was kind of like, wait, does Kathy actually suck? Because he explains to her what she's doing. And she's like, not happy about it. Because her whole thing is like, well, even when it's over, though, like, it'll still come up. Like, people might be confused. And you're like, but why is that a problem? Why is this an issue? Yeah. Well, and this is at, at that... I. It's a dinner at her place or something like that when this conversation comes up. Yeah, they're having um, dinner in her, her apartment. And I really was impressed with how she – the um, performance in the scene, her Dorothy performance McGuire. in the scene. Yeah, Dorothy did bang yeah. up job here because it's like the, kind of the subtle way that you well, can see. she does – when you, she like has the reaction mm-hmm, and then exactly. immediately backtracks because he kind of calls her on it. And here's the part where we start out to learn that Kathy's a lot of talk – but the minute no it's action. starting to affect her personally, e- even in the most minor ways, yeah. like socially, she's not going to do anything. Like, Because, yeah, this is – I. they were having the conversation about going to her family's ha- place out in the suburbs at mm-hmm. this dinner too. And she was ho- – was it at this dinner? It, at some point, her yeah. sister's going to throw them, like, engagement party out there, though, and it comes – they come and have, like, another fight about it. Okay, so this is the dinner one. They have multiple fights about it, and they get progressively Yeah, it's like a worse. central theme. Yeah. It's the um, big issue in their relationship. But, yeah, Kathy's from a well-to-do family out in maybe the Hamptons? Connecticut. I don't, Connecticut somewhere. Yeah. Um, and it's an issue that Phil is Jewish and coming home. And she's like, oh, please, can you just not tell people while we're there so that it's easier? Or she's like, can I just tell them? And he's like, no, this actually doesn't work unless, like, people really believe it. Like, I have to actually have the experience. Right. Well, and that, like, to jump ahead to the scene when they're actually out there, it's really interesting to me to see the the performative acceptance of the folks that are at the party. Oh, yes. Because, you know, we'll, and we can skip ahead through this because I think this is kind of the next, like, big major yeah. plot point. And this, is, to me, was where the movie really picked up. Yeah, completely agree. because Kathy and Phil are now engaged. Her sister wants to throw – her sister who lives out in that, like – wealthy area in Connecticut wants to throw them an engagement party. And the whole time Kathy was like, can I just like tell my sister that you're not actually Jewish? And she's like, because she's my sister. I can't keep this from her, which like, no, it's they not a big deal. A social like, quote unquote. Black yeah. That's not exactly what, what's going on. So he t- it's like, fine. You can tell your sister. Her sister also tells her husband or fiance. I don't know which one he was. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks a lot older than her and kind of smarmy. So, they like go out and throw the party and she gets so mad at Phil because she's like, don't be Jewish while we're up there because it's just a very strict social structure and all this stuff. And he's basically being like rightfully angry with her because he was like, this shouldn't matter. And those are the people who you call your friends and you care about being accepted by when yeah. you want to talk about how like progressive you are and how you hate anti-Semitism, but like you care what these people think. And yeah. she's like, well, it's hard for, like, my sister and stuff. And it's basically – basically, this is the point where I'm like, Phil, you do not want to marry into this family. No, because you think it's hard for somebody who's friends with a Jewish person. Like, that's totally beside the point of how hard it is for someone who is actually Jewish. Yeah. Like, come on now. Yeah. But anyway, Kathy ends up being like, no, 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 it's fine. Like, I'll, I'll stand up. I, like, talk to my sister and I'll do the right thing. And so they go out there and they're at the party and – 
Kathy and her sister kind of have a side conversation where she's like, where are the so-and-sos? And she's like, oh, her sister Jane's like, oh, you know, like his arthritis was acting up again. They couldn't They went it. out of town unexpectedly Yeah, as a basically group. she curated the guests Ugh. to be like the people who I guess had the least issue. I don't know. Or again, needed to have an excuse to, to have some like why extremely overt, like I'm really cool with you. The, like, look at how accepting I am. Yeah. yeah. It was on its surface a perfectly nice interaction, but given the dynamics and yeah. what we had gone and what, through, and to what get we here, knew had happened yeah. behind the scenes, it was like, oh my yeah. goodness. And this is where we have the house conversation. So, you know, as we we're talking about, Kathy previously had been divorced, and she's got this beautiful, beautiful house on. Um, Either on or next to her sister's Yeah, it's like in the same estate. Yeah. and Yes, they have an estate. They're very rich. Yes. (laughs) Um, And they are walking around the house, which, God, we did not need to walk around the house so long. Like, beautiful set design, but I did not need to see the whole freaking house in silence. No, but remember, Kathy did the whole thing. She did the whole thing herself, guys. Bless her heart. She's just a little preschool teacher. Oh, my God. I can't. I can't. I know. But she, anyway, she shows Phil the house and she explains that, like, you know, her previous husband never lived there. She'd actually never lived there. No one had actually lived in that house. And that she'd done that house when she was going through a bad time in her marriage because she, like, needed something to, like, I guess take her mind off it and like put her energy and her like passion into. Oh, and there was a nursery that they could redo for his son. Yeah. Phil's son. But yeah, I, but like she didn't need that arc at all. No, but the house becomes important later, but like it does. But why isn't it just her vacation home? I don't know. But yeah, her whole thing is the like, but she's like, I couldn't live in it because I knew I was waiting for like the perfect person and it's almost like I've been waiting for you my entire life. I, it was very she trite. said that. Very trite. And I was like, I mean, Gregory it's Peck. Kathy. Great looking guy. But like. But also. You could Kathy. also just live in the freaking house you put a lot of time and money into. I mean, just if it's really suggestion. far away from your job. That like, is true. I don't understand. I guess I would just vacation there. It's a really nice vacation house. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> but. Actually, I, yeah. I wouldn't vacation there because that entire place sounds like a drag. It really does. Yeah, that that house is important. We can come back to that house in a minute. But we did – so we did kind of skip over some introductions to, like, the fashion editor at the paper. Who and is who we love and clearly amazing. has a thing for Phil. And, God, I wanted them Yeah, together. she's so much better she's than amazing. Kathy. So much better than Kathy. Um, and Dave. I don't know if Dave's in town yet, but Dave comes into town at some point. Yeah. That's his could... childhood friend who is Jewish. And, God, I love Dave. Oh, yeah. He's in town. So he's um, back from World War II, I presume. He's in the military, but I think he was also like looking for a job in New York to like move his family out there. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I I don't know why he's there, but he's there and he's looking for housing. Mm-hmm. Um, and which, having trouble again, finding he housing. he is Jewish. So that is why he's having trouble or at least that is the way that it is presented in the film it's i don't think it's ever actually said that that's the reason but it's yeah and and i think he does actually have a job but he just Mm -hmm. has to find housing right right so um anyway and great we get to see a couple really great scenes in her apartment uh where she's having this like giant cosmopolitan party um yeah and so this is actually one scene that i really really did like with the one physicist Mm -hmm. um and he gets into a talk about why it is radical to call oneself a Jew. 
at least in his opinion, mm-hmm. and how it's like a, a middle finger to the establishment that wants to tell them that it's a bad thing to be. So yeah. that scene, I really like. Well, because his whole concept is like, you know, if you could get by with not telling people, you know, logically you would think that you wouldn't because mm-hmm. it, there are, I guess, like, quote, consequences. Like, it's because it puts you at a disadvantage. Well, because of the way society views Jews. But right. he's like, but you also, like you said, want to, like, give a middle finger to that society that's telling you that that's wrong. And that's why right. you would still claim to be Jewish. Mm-hmm. Well, and that that reminds me a lot about some of the discourse that's going on within, like, the trans community right now mm-hmm. with, like, passing or not passing and why not passing doesn't make you any less legitimate than people that can and why some folks who can pass feel the need to be out so that they're, like, hey, this is not a problem. Yeah. Everybody needs to be included and taken for who they are. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I really like that scene. Yeah, I will say that is something about this movie is that, like, you can apply it to any marginalized group, mm-hmm. really. I think it's it's the same basic core concepts that you have where it's, like, these people are at a disadvantage for something they can't control and something that doesn't actually make them a better or worse human being. Mm-hmm. And that you have people who can talk all day long about how they think that's wrong, but if they're not actually supporting those groups and acting on it and trying to make the world a better place, then what good are you? Yeah, exactly. Which Kathy just went went straight yes, over her head. Yes, I love which <laughs> do we want to like move into kind of like the final like yeah. meltdown of their relationship? So I think it started the day before their marriage when they were talking about the hotel that they were going to go stay yeah. at. And this is where Anne, again, the fashion editor, great love her is like oh that hotel you're going to it's it's restricted restricted, right and that's where they wouldn't let rooms to jewish people so phil that entire concept just like blows my mind i mean you're a business well agreed but if you have the stereotype that they're going to be horrible customers who are going to be like we could run down the stereotypes that I get, like, but like I still avoid, but, I don't know. It just it blows um, my mind. I don't know. It's like I know it's a thing, but I'm like, why? <laughs> oh, I totally agree with why? you. Why? Totally agree with you. But this scene was amazing. So Gregory Peck's character, well, he tells Anne and uh, Dave and Kathy that he's going up there because he's like i know what's gonna happen and dave's like why do you need to like go through this he's like i know exactly what's gonna happen but i need them yes i want them to say it to my face i want to Mm -hmm. hear them say it and dave's like i mean i guess you know everybody's got to at least once i feel like dave's like oh you sweet summer child yes oh he 100 (laughs) percent is um and i think even Anne, after she is it Anne or is it somebody else after they find out that he's not jewish they say i think it might be the secretary where she's like i was wondering how you could live so long being like so fired up about it yeah because the idea that like you know if you grew up that way like he's putting a lot of emotional energy yeah like putting so much emotional energy into something so frustrating for so long like it wears you out oh yeah oh yeah so um in the hotel scene starts with the clerks like, oh, I have a reservation. And then he asks. He asks if the hotel is restricted. restricted. 
and, and this the clerk, clerk is squirming. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yes. Because, well, the clerk is like, are you asking because you're Jewish or because you're concerned? And he's like, I just asked a question. Like, just answer it. Which is basically saying because I am Jewish, because anyone who's like, I'm concerned is going to be such a jackass that they'll just say it. Yeah, exactly. And so he gets the manager who... Oh, what an asshole. God, just um, wants to dance around it and is like, well, it turns out we don't have any rooms. Sorry for the mix-up. And then he just rings I'll, the I'll bell. I'll make you a reservation somewhere else. By the train station, which I presume is the hotel that is known for serving Jewish clientele. Like, that's the, uh But the way, so he rings, you can see folks in the background starting to notice this confrontation. Yes, which, fuck every one of them. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So the the part where I was literally s- sat up straight and was like, oh, shit, this movie just got good was this straight on shot of Gregory Peck looking and being really angry as but a he, bellman takes his bag out the front door yeah. of the hotel. And he can't do anything. And, and it's they like, just like they sit on this scene for like three or four or five beats while you have all of the people in the background like – staring at it. Well, and they're doing the like uncomfortable like that oh this is an uncomfortable social situation kind exactly. of mannerisms. Well and I'm getting chills thinking about it because it's like holy Gregory shit. Gregory Peck amazing in that scene. Yeah and then he kind of just puts his head down and walks calmly because there's out the nothing hotel. else he can do. Right. And he's so mad and like I oh seriously. It was amazing. This, it was amazing. This is the turning point in the film for me. Yeah. <laughs> so like it got much, much, much better after this. And so almost immediately after this, you have the scene of his son who was. Well, and previously his son had come home from school and been oh, like, yeah. so-and-so asked if we were Jewish. And he's like, um, kind of, kind of explains to his son what he's doing, but not really, which. Basically. He should have, he should have prepared his son for this oh, so much yeah. better. Like he should have had, if he was going to do this, because he tells his son, tell them that I'm Jewish. Half half Jewish. Half Jewish. Or that I am partially Jewish or something. Yeah. But like the thing is I took issue with the half part. But anyway. That but he also one he he pulled his son into something that while is it is important, puts his son at certain risks. I mean, even physically, like his son could have been beat up. Yeah, instead so, of just excluded from the exactly. game on the street. It could have been oh could have it's terrible, it could have been a lot worse. So he put his son in a bad position, but he did so without fully explaining to or preparing his son for that, which I took a lot of issue with. Yeah. I was like, if you were going you to do this. You just explained anti-Semitism. You didn't explain yes, like, but like all of it. It should have been ugh. a sit down conversation that is like, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. You may not understand right now how important this is, but you will. And this is some of the stuff that may happen to you because of it. And I want you to know that, like, it's not okay and that I'm here for you and that, like, like all of those things. Like, he should have just had a more extensive yeah. discussion with his son because his son comes home and is crying because all he knows is that he's been excluded from a game and called some really awful slurs. Which I wanted to be, like, he didn't know what anti-Semitism was, but he knew that those were slurs. I mean, I feel like you can garner from tone and context that something is I a slur. I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Um, but, yeah, so his son comes home bawling about that and kathy oh who has been gosh. like i want to be a good Ugh. mother to your son kneels down in front of the son and i actually like the way this was shot too and she's so clearly so upset for yeah. him but she goes it's okay you're, you're not, not actually actually jewish 
you're no more Jewish than me or your dad. And Phil is like, Kathy. That's not an excuse. That is not okay. Like, exactly. And he was like, and she doesn't understand what she did. She's like, but it's, I'm just facing facts. And it's like, oh, oh that line made can, me can so we talk mad. About Every time she facts. said that, she was like, I'm just looking at this practically. And I'm like, you're terrible. Right. That's like the same. <sighs> the, exactly. This is a perfect. Just because the world currently is that way doesn't mean it has to be in the future. Right. Well, and let's talk about Gentile privilege for a second. Yes. Like this is oh, a perfect Kathy, Kathy has example. Any, almost any privilege you can think of, Kathy has. She's rich. She's really white. She's straight. She, yeah. She's a woman in the 40s. That is the only disadvantage she has. But she's really rich, which insulates her from some stuff. Yeah, insulates so. her from a lot. And she's well connected. Like, yeah. Yeah. So she just really doesn't get it. No, not at all. But anyway, the- that's when Gregory Peck goes to explain to his son that like it, it what they did was wrong mm-hmm. and there is nothing wrong with being jewish because that's his whole fight with kathy is that like what you've done is just reinforce the idea that there is yeah. something wrong and something different about being jewish so there's this gif of christina aguilera from the voice you've referenced this before on the podcast i'm referencing it again gif. because it's perfect right here <laughs> We're going to tweet that out later, I'm sure. We will. Because <laughs> that's me gift. right now. <laughs> but I really I really did like the line in there where he's like, yeah, adults, they just do wisecracks instead of yelling. And I'm like, oh, yeah. this is perfect. perfect. He's, but he's like, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say been... the kid's performance in this scene Oh, he was killed it in this. Awesome. I was this like, kid's been good the whole time. He, he just had he's... shit material. Yeah, he now. didn't have great lines. But no, this in, this entire sequence was so incredibly good like edge of my seat yeah yeah oh but yeah the whole thing with kathy is that like if i'm sorry if you're not willing to put your own like comfort and status on the line for what's right like do you really actually care what's right right oh and then she was like i'm pretty sick of being wrong and so i have so stop being wrong (laughs) (laughs) well yeah there you go if you're sick of being wrong take a look at your behavior yeah so they figure out what's wrong yeah exactly uh if if a lot of people are telling you you're wrong, it may not be everybody else. Exactly. It may be you. Um, but anyway, so they break up. Phil goes to bed pouting, and God bless Ann and Dave who come home shoisted. Oh my gosh, they're delightful. And they wake him up, and he kind of tells them what happened. And I like the thing that Dave says here, where he's like, "They finally got you where it hurts the most, your kids." Yeah. He's like, "That's the one that gets you." And he's kind of like, you can write your expose now. Like that that is the worst, mm-hmm. the worst part. Well, and I think he does at that point. Yeah, he writes the expose and he decides he wants to move back to California. He's like, I'm I'm done here. <laughs> Which I, I understand. Like, I, I get it. Yeah. Like Kathy is a jerk. Yes. Now I do want to like when the expose comes out, he does have another interaction with his secretary. Yeah. Where she says some lines like, You completely fooled me. And I'm like, I I think that's when he's like because I just said I was Jewish. Like, he's kind of like the, I'm no different than I was, like, yesterday. Like, it's... Yeah. I uh, Well, and that, that scene, it was a little overdone, but it was still like, yeah. okay, yeah, all he said was that he was. And that, I mean, that comes down to a, somewhat of a comment on, like, the idea of someone being Jewish is, like, just as bad as someone actually being Jewish. And I, I think that's, like, a really good commentary on the absurdity of... Like anti-Semitism in general, like yeah, if someone can just say that they are and get the exact same treatment that someone who is devoutly Jewish does, like 
Yeah. Well, and I mean, there obviously there would be different levels. Like he's not pretending to be like a Hasidic Jew, so mm-hmm. you don't have any like visual, visual clues, markers, yeah. or he probably isn't. I'm trying to think of like when roughly the timeline of this movie happened because my one thought was I was like, what happens when a holiday comes up and you don't know what to do? He'll Google. <laughs> like it. when someone's like, "What are you doing for Yom Kippur?" <laughs> and he's like, "What?" Like I'm like, then, then people will know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you just let my Google comment slide. I did. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this was, I, I think, where I had some little ick at the like, oh, I'm a Gentile savior of you, which like. <laughs> it's it's, it's uh... always it's always icky to watch somebody who's not part of like a particular religion or gender or like mm-hmm. subgroup of any kind than lecturing someone who is a member of that on moral yes. stuff. Like that's always like a. Mm. <laughs> Not a fan, mm. not a fan at all. But there is um, one, I think one, one or two other like major scenes that I do want to talk about. One is Dave and, and Kathy's discussion, which, which I- Can we just talk about what a beautiful person Dave is? Because yeah. we know he got the lowdown on all of Kathy's bullshit and he oh, probably yeah. saw it from a mile away. <laughs> Just saying. And then he agrees to, like, meet her for dinner and, like, listen to her whine about how she's like, I'm just being practical. Oh, my gosh. And so she tells this anecdote about how at dinner one time there was this guy who that everybody apparently hates but still invites to their dinner party. Yeah. Okay. Um, That's the best part about being an adult, y'all, is that, like, if you don't like somebody outside of a work context, you don't have to hang around them. There you go. Unless, of course, you're a social climbing jerk. Um, True. Which I'm not saying Kathy is a social climber since she's already at the top. But um, anyway, talks about how this guy sold, told like this horrific joke and everybody just didn't laugh and all the good people didn't laugh and just hated him for it. But Dave hammers home. But what, what did, did you, you do? do? And she's like, I hated him. I wanted – she keeps being like, I wanted to say something. I wanted to like, get up didn't. and leave. And he's like, did you? And she's like, no. And he's like, well, there you go, Kathy. Yeah. So there you go. I'm disappointed it took this much to get through to her. She finally like quotes, he's the light. Well, and uh, Phil had brought up earlier, so this is where the house comes back in. Mm-hmm. Phil had previously brought up the idea that like, why couldn't Dave and his family like live in your house that no one's living in until they can find something so he doesn't have to lose this job that's actually really good. And she's like, they just like wouldn't be welcome in that county. And like gives all this bullshit answer about why how it's going to be happen. so hard for them to live there. Yeah, it's going to be so hard for them because we all know that Kathy's really concerned about Dave and his family. Obviously. <laughs> Granted, it's a really nice house. She's not living there. That's true. So it's just sitting there empty. It yeah. really is just sitting there empty. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um but, but her change of heart is to let him live there. Yes. So Dave shows that, which I kind of liked, by, like, he goes over to Phil's and then calls his wife to, like, or no, calls his work, I think. And is yeah. like, yeah, I'll be able to continue. We have a place to stay. And then he tells Phil. And then Phil, like, the final shot is, like, him going to see Kathy at her apartment. But I was really upset because I was like, don't get back with Kathy. It is a more powerful message if she just does the thing and they never speak again because then I would actually believe that she's become a good person and that she is hasn't just, like, done this to get in Gregory Peck's pants. I'm glad you thought the same thing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now, I will say the the – that was the only time in the film that I heard any, like, recall any soundtrack. Thought it was effective for what they were going it for. Was, I disagree with what they were going for. Yes. But yes. 
I disagree fundamentally with what they were going for. Oh, yeah. yeah. She, he belongs with Anne. He and her totally obscenely Anne. fancy parties. Okay. Anne is the bomb. We love Anne so yeah, much. Yeah. She was making fun of idioms when they were grabbing a drink. And I felt that so much where it's like, oh, yeah. I, oh, what was one of the ones that she was? I don't know. Anyway, she yeah. was taking these idioms She's literally. So much cl- it's like, great. She is so much smarter and cleverer than Kathy and like just the bomb and so much more fun and like actually a good person. Yeah. So basically her. Yes. But I do. I am kind of glad this movie came up now because I feel that it actually is pretty salient given the state of at least the United States like national political stage. It's very stage. relevant. It's very relevant. But yeah. I mean, I feel like it, God, maybe one day it won't be, but. Yeah. But basically. But I mean, you can take You're it, part of the problem if you don't take action is what yeah, I'm taking away from this. And, and super true yeah. still is true in basically any context that it's, you're it's talking about. It's the idea about. of like, you know, if something's wrong, like speak up. Like, don't just sit there, even if it's going to be a little socially awkward. Like, call somebody on that stuff. Because as Dave points out to Kathy and Kathy kind of he helps her come to this realization. And she's like. If he didn't stop at that joke because we didn't laugh. Where is he going to stop? Well, he's not going to stop at the next one. And it's like, well, duh. Like, not taking action can sometimes be seen as approval. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Kathy did not understand because she was like, I'm not going to put myself on the line. Or I think her big thing was that she just didn't want to, like, mess with the like status quo and like didn't want to be like rude or like make things awkward but it's like you just sitting there passively is like giving passive Mm. consent to what is happening around you yep so yeah so i don't like it really is like execution not as good as it could have been overall but But, the content was really the core message and like like you said that last half hour are super super strong Oh, yeah. It's basically if you cut the first 20 minutes out mm-hmm. and probably about 10 to 15 minutes in the middle that we didn't need. Yeah. It would have been very big. much better. Yeah. Not that it was bad by any means, no, no, but no, no. I don't know. I, like I said, went into it with kind of like a some side eye going on where I'm yeah. like, are you really? This is what I, you're doing. I and was kind of like, it eh, and then I started reading more of the like uh, historical context. And I was like, actually, this makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know. I liked it. So, do we want to go into rankings? Yeah, let's go into rankings. Cool. So, I have placed Gentleman's Agreement at number eight for me. Wow. And so, it is after the best years of our lives, but before Wings. Now, the reason it's after best years of our lives is because it is not as... Like, I didn't think the cinematography and the structure was not... Like, neither of those were in place like they were in the best years of our lives it was a good movie but i would not necessarily call it beautiful oh it had a couple beautiful shots but it wasn't like a treat for my eyes yeah there's one beautiful shot it's gregory peck at the desk of the hotel yeah that's that's like the beautiful shot of the movie super effective but also yeah would not peck it up there so um and I don't know. I liked that it tackled, I don't know, the themes that it tackled spoke more to me than Mm -hmm. Wings did. So I guess that's like why I have it at eight. Yeah. Okay. So it is my new number 11. Because it was so slow 
up until like that last 30 minutes. Like I just had like issues with the pacing. Oh, I was like, the pacing is so bad. But so, um, but I love that last 30 minutes and I, it hurts me a little bit because I love Gregory Peck. But, um, I agree that like theme wise, it was really strong. The last 30 minutes were really strong with the writing. The writing wasn't great at the beginning. There's just a lot of excess, but um, number 11 puts it right after the life of Emile Zola and right before Mutiny on the Bounty. I'm I'm here for so, that. So, and I think with the thing with me, because Lola, or not Lola. Hey, Lola. Hey, Lola. <laughs> we have a friend named Lola. <laughs> Shout out. Um, Zola also had pacing issues. Yes. And it was long, but I didn't feel the length as strongly. And Oh, I felt... <laughs> I Zola Zola like weirdly it's it's a similar theme though honestly no that's not why I'm giggling but that's fine oh Zola it has like kind of similar themes to Gentleman's Agreement Mm -hmm. in that it's dealing with like anti-semitism and like racism and like injustice yeah injustice but there was something about Zola that resonated a little bit more and visually I found it more of a treat and I liked the dialogue a lot more in Zola Mm -hmm. than I did in Gentleman's Agreement yeah, there were there were some great lines here and there, especially with Phil's mom. But I wouldn't again call the writing spectacular. No, and like even some of the monologues, I was like, eh. yeah, anyway, I don't know. So it's my new number eleven. So u- ultimately, maybe not the most technically strong film Mm-mm. by any means, but relevant and I do think people should watch themes. it. Oh I yeah, this is a watcher. Watch um, Just get through the first like twenty five yeah, like thirty and it's minutes, not, and it's you'll It's not be okay. flawless. Remember the historical context of it. Yeah. Um, but I I do think it's important. And I think it kind of hits on the like, you know, bad things happen when good people do nothing yes. concept. Well, there's a saying, and I need to figure out who came up with this, but the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Like Yeah, exactly. So it kind of it sayings. kind of deals with not just the like in your face discrimination, but like the more subtle aspects of it and the way that it's hard to tackle yes and like the way it's allowed to continue because good people aren't doing the things that they should right quote good people kathy i'm just a good person i'm just practical (laughs) that's my kathy voice i can tell (laughs) i did not like her i really regretted writing down at the beginning that i did now i know i should not make snap judgments about characters well no i think i think that speaks to how effective the movie was with her character that is true that is true so anyway okay on to the next one absolutely so next episode we're going to be doing the 21st best picture winner which is hamlet Mm. directed by Laurence olivier and we'll talk about it when we record that one (laughs) because we're actually about to record it right now oh yeah it's gonna be fun In the meantime, if you want to find us on social media to like maybe talk about your thoughts on this film or like related things, we are at Best Pictures Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can also email us in at bestpicturespodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks.